Hi there and welcome. The First Christian Church podcast ministry features the teaching and preaching of the First Christian Church in downtown Roseburg, Oregon. Here's today's message. Amen, amen. Well, if you have your bulletins or if you're following along from home, pull out uh, your outline. You can also pull out the Bible app. The notes are in the Bible app. You just go to the homepage and click on events and uh, you should be able to search for downtown Roseburg First Christian Church and get all the notes there. Um, And then if you have your Bibles, turn to Ephesians chapter 5. In the New Testament, Paul wrote a letter to a group of followers at the church in Ephesus. And so we call that specific letter the letter to the Ephesians. So we, uh, Ephesians has six chapters. We're going to be in the fifth chapter for a few verses. Um, and if you have a green card in front of you, we'd love for you to fill that out and, and join us in uh, prayer requests and different things. And there's ways uh, for you to provide some information to us. What would you do if for Christmas this year, boy, do you see everyone's head just perked up? I said Christmas, and everyone's head just perked up. Um, What would you do if for Christmas this year I gave you 25 hours in a day instead of 24? What would you do with that extra hour? Did you say sleep, Steve? (laughs) What would you do if we had an extra hour a day? Instead of 24, we had an extra hour. I don't know if it would be 0 o'clock or 13th o'clock. We can cover that later. But how many of you would say, boy, I would love to have a little bit more time for myself to rest or maybe do something I enjoy? Uh, If I had more time, that would be awesome. Uh, How many of you would say, I would love to have more time to spend with the people I love? Raise your hands if that's something you'd say. If you're sitting next to someone you love, this is the time you want to raise your hand. That would be a good thing at this point. Um, How many of you would say, I would love to have a little bit more time uh, to work on a hobby or a craft that I, that I enjoy doing. How many of you are like that? We've got some hobbyists. How many of you would say, I'd like some more time to do certain things? Uh, in reality, most of us would love to have more time to spend on some important things. But if the truth were to be known, if, if we actually provided, if God provided us 25 hours in a day, I'll be honest, it's very unlikely that most of us would actually spend our time doing those most important things. The reality is our culture has a way of overwhelming whatever margin we have created for ourselves. I'm going to quote a couple of different authors in today's message. I've done some reading uh, in preparation for this. The Korean-born German philosopher named Byung-Chul Han ends his book, The Burnout Society, with a haunting observation of most people in the Western world. This is what he says. They are too alive to die and too dead to live. We are too busy for our own good, and we are too preoccupied for our own good. Uh, I want you to listen to this terrifying trend I read about. Uh, Our attention span is dropping with each passing year. Um, How many of you, if you have kids, you understand that that's happening, right? Right. Uh, in 2000, I think the iPhone was created in 2001, so in 2000, before the digital revolution, our attention span on a single device was 12 seconds. So it's not like we had a lot of wiggle room to begin with, right? But since 2000, our attention span has dropped to 8 seconds. Now, I want to put things in perspective for you. Um, Say hello to our goldfish. 
Uh, let's name our goldfish, shall we? Goldie it is. That was too easy. Goldie has an attention span of nine seconds. You know where I'm going with this, don't you, Pat? We are losing to goldfish. I mean, if you just look at the time you maybe had on a, on a day off that you did not expend, chances are pretty good that you didn't spend eight hours in God's presence, resting in Him. Chances are fairly good that what you did is you caught up on errands, you did the extra load of laundry, you did a little bit of extra landscaping, you did a little bit of extra work around the house, you caught up on some chores, because that's just kind of the way our life has been. It's kind of like this. I don't know if any of you have ever had a car whose wheels were out of alignment. Uh, Libby and I uh, recently replaced the wheels on, uh, or the wheels, the tires on both of our vehicles. And on one of our vehicles, we need to do an alignment. And what an alignment does is make sure all your tires are going in the same direction. Because from time to time, if uh, you hit a curb too often, if uh, for, for wear, normal wear and tear, what happens to a vehicle is sometimes your, your wheels, your tires will go a little bit off center. And if you're driving down the road and you're not paying attention to that, you can find yourself drifting. And from time to time, you need to take it in somewhere where they realign so that the direction that you are wanting to go is the direction your vehicle go, goes. In reality, all of us are out of alignment by, nature of God, by, by our own nature. We're out of alignment to who God is. And so because we're sinners and the pull is away from God and towards this culture maybe, in reality, the culture pulls us off center into a margin-less lifestyle. So if you missed last week and say, well, what is this margin you're talking about? This is our working definition of margin. Margin is the amount available beyond what is necessary. It's the amount that you have that is available beyond necessary. Uh, it's the difference between what you have and what you need. And so next week, we're going to look at uh, how do we embrace margin in our finances. Uh, this week, we're going to look at how to embrace margin in our schedules. Last week, we kind of introduced this idea. And so if you'd like to listen to last week's message, it's on our website and also on our Facebook page. In scheduling our lives, margin would say that we have more than enough time. It would be this extra time. John Ortberg is an author who recently uh, wrote a book, and he, and he said this, I cannot live in the kingdom of God with a hurried soul. Margin would be having time to listen to our children and not work. Uh, margin would be having enough time to be interrupted and be okay being interrupted. Margin would be having the time to rest and to restore and to renew. Margin is having a great amount of time uh, with the people that you love. Margin is not always fighting because we can't seem to connect. Margin, for most of us, is the very thing that we don't have. C.S. Lewis had a spiritual director named Walter Adams, and he kind of discipled C.S. Lewis, and he said it this way, to walk with Jesus is to walk with a slow, unhurried pace. Hurry is the death of prayer. It only impedes and spoils our work. It never advances it. I read a different author who said, you'll never see Jesus in a hurry in the New Testament. I'm not entirely sure if that's 100% accurate, 
but oftentimes Jesus took time with the people he was at. In fact, he was notified of his friend dying, and for a variety of reasons, he stayed put in a city for two days and then traveled. And when he did arrive at his friend's house, everyone thought he was too late. Uh, Hurry is the death of prayer, Walter Adams said. So I want to look at this text in Ephesians chapter 5, and it says this, Ephesians chapter 5, be very careful. How careful? Very careful then how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Can we get an amen there? Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Be very careful how you live. Uh, Do not be foolish. Make the most of every opportunity. Uh, So what does this look like in our lives? Oftentimes when when, when we're asking people to spend time with them, for instance, um, we'll, say, uh, we'll say, well, can we get together on such and such date, or, or do you want to do such and such? And oftentimes, we'll ask the question, well, are we free that day? I want you to think about what that means, are we free that day? Do we have any other obligations that we're tied down to, or are we free? And oftentimes, we make decisions on how we spend our time, whether or not we're free or whether we're bound by commitment. And I want us to think about another filtering way to uh, to, to uh, uh, filtering questions on how we spend our time. There needs to be a, a filtering question. And I would say something like this. In light of blank, is it wise? So I would encourage you when you're making decisions about your schedule and your time to fill in the blank with whatever is important in your life at that time. For instance, it could be in light of our future hopes and dreams, is adding this commitment wise? In light of our current family situation, in light of the fact that our marriage is not where God wants us to be, is it wise to take on this commitment? In light of the fact that we have two children in diapers right now, is it wise to do this? Uh, In light of the fact that we have a 17-year-old who only has one year left under the care of our home, is it wise to do this? In In light of the fact that our days are numbered, is it wise? James says your life is just a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. So how do we spend our time wisely? The answer to this question of how we schedule wisely should be this. We must learn and have the courage and faith to say no to many good things so that we can say yes to the best things. Remember last week we, thought of, we talked about Mary and Martha and we talked about how one of them was preoccupied. I think the Bible says, what's the word? Um, she was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. Good things that needed to, be, needed to be done. While the other took advantage of sitting at the feet of Jesus. There are times in our life when our schedule is going to demand us to say no to many good things so that we can say yes to the best thing. Be very wise in how you live. Uh, Romans 12 says it this way, do not conform to the pattern of this world. What's the pattern of this world look like when it comes to our time? Um, if, if, you, if you look at a casual uh, group of Sunday commercials during football games, you're going to find that you're not driving the right car, that you, uh, that you don't have the right smile, that you, um, you don't have the, the right tan, present company excluded, uh, 
Um, you're not taking the best vacations. You're not living, like every advertisement known to man is to tell you how unsuccessful your life currently is. That's the pattern of this world. What Paul is saying to the church at Romans and what we're encouraging you in this, this idea of embracing margin is don't conform to the pattern of this world. Change the way you think. Don't be like everyone else. Don't be pulled in like everything else. The rest of the verse says this, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you can test and prove what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. When it comes to scheduling, when it comes to uh, embracing this in our life, when we think about margin, normal in our world is being overwhelmed, overworked, uh, overcommitted, being frenzied, being stressed, being miserable, being busy, and yet also being empty. There's a pastor in Portland, Oregon, who said it this way, all my worst moments are when I'm in a hurry. He goes on to say this, love, joy, peace are incompatible with hurry. In your notes, it says this, some of us are in danger of being too busy to live emotionally healthy, spiritually rich, and vibrant lives. We're in danger of being too busy to live emotionally healthy, spiritually rich, and vibrant lives. And it begs the question, is your busyness worth it? I would argue that so many people are being robbed from full meaning in their life, not because they're not committed in the Christian life, but because they're overcommitted to other things. So I want to challenge you, I want to dare you, I want to beg you to have the faith and the courage to say no to what so many others say yes to, so that we can say yes to the very best things. Just because you and I can do something doesn't mean we necessarily should do. Uh, here's another terrifying statistic for you. Uh, I found this alarming. The average iPhone user touches his or her phone 2,617 times per day. Further, most iPhone users don't spend any time throughout the day more than 18 inches away once they wake up from their iPhone. I read this too. The average American reads two to 400 words per minute. Two to 400 words. That's a big gap. Uh, at that speed, they deduce that we could all read 200 books a year if we spent uh, 417 hours doing so. So just think about those numbers, right? If, if you're reading two to 400 words a minute, you could read 200 books a year if you spent 417 hours reading it, a little more than an hour a day. Um, can you guess how much time the average American spends on social media each year? 705 hours. See, we've turned into a society that is in a hurry on our way to nowhere. Dallas Willard said this, hurry is the great enemy of spiritual life in our day. You must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. So what I want to talk about this morning, that was all introduction, we're going to talk about the two factors that are so important to your success in terms of your relationship with God. But if we live a hurried life, if margin is squeezed out, these are the two areas that are eliminated first, and because they're eliminated first, 
our spiritual lives end up being the casualty. We might have a little bit more money in the bank account, but we'll have less time with our family. We might have a little bit more productivity at work, but we will uh, create a life where we don't have margin so that we can't develop and deepen our relationship with God. So here are the two factors. First is an intimate and consistent time realigning, remember that word when we talked about tires, realigning daily with God. Because by nature, our hearts are out of alignment, and if we take time daily to realign our hearts with the Word of God, His truth and His presence, we will then be consistent in our walk with God. When we talk about our relationship with God, do you ever notice that we call it a walk? It's because it's not a run. It's a deliberate walk with God. It's a pace. It's day by day. It's step by step. So last week, we talked about creating a daily appointment with God. Um, I had so much feedback the last week on people who, who, who were able to successfully do that a few times this last week. I want to encourage you, this is the first thing that a busied life will eliminate in the life of a Christian, is a daily consistent time realigning with God. Let me encourage you to pursue it. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33 says this, seek first his kingdom, his righteousness, and all these things, and all these things will be given to you as well. Um, when I talk to people about developing a intimate and consistent time realigning with God, I often say, well, Daniel, that's really easy for you because you work one day a week. And you have plenty of time to do this. I'm going to beg you to consider, you don't have time not to do this. You don't have time not to align yourself with God. You don't have time not to portion out time in your day to realign your heart with God. Um, so if this last week you were able to do a few times, I would challenge you this week, go seven out of seven. Spend time every single day. When you give your attend, what you give your attention to is the person you become. So realign your heart to the things of God. Watch as the rest of the day things are more productive and more in place because you have sought first the Father of all. The first thing is the most important thing. Intimate, consistent time realigning daily with God. The second thing is this, if you're taking notes, if you're following along, second is intentional times of rest. Matthew 11 says it this way. We looked at it last week. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in your heart, in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. The very thing that many of us do not have rest in our soul, Jesus promises us to us when we intentionally come to him and give our burdens to him. Most of us, when we get busy and when we feel like we lose margin, we cannot feel, we feel like we cannot take a day off. And God worked six days and on the seventh he rested. And people that intentionally take times of rest, who recover, who renew, who restore, are able to then sustain a life with their family and with God themselves more efficiently. Walter Brueggemann said it this way, people who keep the Sabbath live all seven days differently. Now, it's really funny to me that God has, has to command us to take a day off. It's like requiring ice cream at your meal. 
It's like encouraging you to take, uh, to take ice cream as a part of your daily uh, consumption. You would think we would be chomping at the bit to practice a day off, but there's something in our human condition that says, um, I'm going to work, I'm going to be productive because every single chance I get is a chance to do that. And really when it comes down to it, as I examine my own life, my propensity to, uh, to overwork, to overschedule, if I'm being honest with you, is because I don't trust God nearly as much as I should. And so because I don't trust God, I schedule things and I overwork because I feel like I can be better in control. How many of you have a problem being in control of everything? Right? This idea of rest is really an exercise. It's a principle of faith. It's a believing God about what he said. This is a gift from God. It's an act of trust. It's a display of faith. I am reminded when I take a day off, I'm reminded when I go to sleep that the world is in God's hands and it is not mine. Let me ask you this. Do you think it's wise to neglect time with God daily? Do you think it's wise to not honor God with one of his ten commandments? And yet for many of us, the great danger is not that we will renounce our faith. For many of us, the great danger is not whether or not we will renounce Jesus Christ, but it will be that we are so distracted and rushed and preoccupied that we will actually settle for a mediocre version of it. Doing this, a life of margin, is not easy. It is difficult. But our capacity for tackling hard assignments actually grows as we embrace them. So let me talk to you, first of all, if you are, uh, if you are working, if you have a job. If you work part-time or full-time and you have a job. Uh, the idea of a day off sounds really good for your work, but oftentimes what do we do for those of us who work? We take our days off and we use them as an opportunity to catch up on everything else, don't we? Uh, the last couple of weeks on Friday nights, um, Libby and I have been praying a Sabbath prayer. We both are fortunate to take Saturday off, and so on Friday night, uh, after our meal, we've been taking a time to just pray and say, Lord, would you bless this day that we're about to enjoy? Would you bless this Sabbath? Would you help us to rest in who you are and what you've done for us? Would you fill us with scripture and with worship as we enjoy this day and these life-giving opportunity to pause and to take a day and dedicate it to enjoying who you are? It's really awkward at first. The first time we did it, we looked at each other and says, I don't know how to pray for a Sabbath. And she said, I don't know how to pray for a Sabbath. We've conditioned our whole lives to go, go, go and to work, work, work. And so we've tried to incorporate that in our lives, this idea of rest and honoring God with the time he has gifted us. Let me encourage you, if you're working, to think about what that looks like in your life. You said, well, we have days off. We have them here. We have them there. It's not the day that matters so much. It's the intentional trust you put in God in honoring God with that. So if you're working, let me ask you to consider what does it look like for you and your family, you and your spouse, to set aside some time just to enjoy who God is. If you're retired, you say, man, I Sabbath all the time. <laughs> and some of you I know who are retired, you're busier now than you were before. Here, here, right? Somebody's got to, I'm not going to do it. Nope. Um, I won't say that. 
If you're retired and you say, well, how do, how do I Sabbath when I'm retired and I don't have a full-time job and I have hobbies and interests and things that I keep my mind occupied? What I would ask you to consider is this. Is there a time in your week where you can dedicate that time to just enjoying who God is? This is the point of Sabbath. Sabbath was not designed for God. We were, it was designed for us to be able to put pace into our weeks, to put pace into our lives and understand what it is to trust God with the remaining time. So what would it look like to spend some time honoring and resting in who he is? It's a foreign concept. Uh, when we were going through Hebrews, I think I mentioned that this is one of the Ten Commandments that uh, most pastors would get for if they broke it consistently. It's weird how we have conditioned ourselves when it comes to rest and to time. Matthew eleven twenty eight says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Eugene Peterson words these uh, phrases a little bit differently in his paraphrase, and I think we've mentioned it before when we were in Hebrews. He says it this way, Are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out on religion? Come to me, Jesus says. Get away with me and you will recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me. Work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything ill-fitting or heavy on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. I want you to think about just for a moment, and we're almost done, what, is it, what does it look like to live freely and lightly? To not be overcommitted, to not be overworked, to, to take your weary, burdened souls and to give them to Jesus so that you can find rest for your souls. So first of all, I want you to think about what would it look like in my life, in your life, if you had rest for your soul? The very burden that weighs your heart down, the family concern, the financial concern, the, uh, the, the, uh, the political concerns perhaps that you have, uh, life during the pandemic, whatever the concern is, what would it look like for you to give that to Jesus, to come to him so that you could enjoy rest? What would your life look like to live freely and lightly? And then I want you to think about uh, someone in your family, someone in your world what would it look like for them to live freely and lightly? Embracing margin is part of the way that we get realigned with God. It's a part of our way to refocus our hearts and we are in danger of, 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 of pursuing a life that has no limits, and in no limits we have no margin, and in no margin we live at an unsustainable pace, and I would also say probably an unbiblical pace. Embracing this life of margin is about living freely and lightly. Let me pray for you this morning. I want you to bow for a word of prayer. I'm going to ask, just show you bow your heads. If you're comfortable closing your eyes, that's great. If not, the bowing of heads just gives us some privacy. And if you're at home, I would encourage you to take the time just to consider a couple of questions. I'm going to ask two questions that I just, I would love for you to be really honest. And I'd love uh, the weight of these questions to sink in. Those of you who are followers, how many of you would say this? Yes, 
I am a follower of Jesus, but I don't have consistent time with God. I am a follower of Jesus, but I don't have a consistent time with God. How many of you would be honest enough and say, you know what, that's me. And in the quietness of this moment, in this auditorium, you'd raise your hand and say, Daniel, would you pray for me? I'm a follower of Jesus, but I don't have consistent time with God. You can put them down. How clever do you think the enemy of our soul is to have convinced you that is not the most valuable part of the day? Just feel the weight of that right now. That the enemy of the soul has convinced us that CNN or Fox News or Facebook or something else has taken priority over spending time with God. How, how clever do you think the enemy of our soul is to have convinced us of that? How many of you are like me and I'm, and I'm learning this and I'm... I'm I'm trying to be better about this. How many of you are so busy and so overwhelmed that you find it difficult to rest? And when you do, you often feel guilty. Father, I want to pray in this moment your Holy Spirit would speak to those few who are, who are open, who their minds would start to be renewed. Father, I, I feel almost ashamed that we would have to ask you to take the time the people would take the time to spend it with you. How, we, how we've missed that, Father. Lord, I pray that we would feel the weight of neglecting this realigning moment with you every day. And that for so many of us, this would be the beginning of a consistent discipline that would forever alter our lives. That the life, the normal life of being overworked and overbusy and overwhelmed and overcommitted would be replaced with an unhurried life, walking with you. Father, for those who struggle with this idea of rest and trusting you during those times, I pray that we would be convicted that one of the most spiritual things that we can do is to rest because when we're hurried, our tempers are shorter, our anxiety increases, our carelessness increases, our focus decreases, our relational intimacy with you and with others decrease, our stress increases. And so while it might seem like a casual discipline, this idea of rest is really important into centering us, to preparing us for depth and, and, and emotional intimacy with you. So Father, I pray that our lives would be so much more meaningful as we would trust you. Boy, if you're, if you're here or if you're watching online and you've never placed your trust in God and started a personal relationship with him, I want you to think about Jesus' invitation. Come to me, he says. All those who are weary and burdened, the heaviness of your heart, Jesus says, come to me and I will give rest to your souls. This is what salvation is all about. It is about trusting God with the things that are on your heart and trusting Him and placing your full trust in Him as Lord and Savior. And He promises rest to our souls. 
In a few moments, we're going to take communion. One of the men in our church is going to lead us, and as Braden does, we're going to identify with Christ by taking communion with, with the elements then. Boy, if you're a follower of Christ, let us determine today to live within the rhythms of grace to honor Him with intentional, consistent time, realigning our heart, and also intentional times of rest rooted in worshiping Him. Father, I ask that the truth of Your Word would penetrate our hearts, that we would be truly careful, very careful in how we live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity with God. Because the days are evil and our hearts are not always aligned. Father, forgive us for taking our hands off the wheel, becoming like the rest of the world. Father, would you allow us not to follow the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to this week's message. If you made a decision for Christ or would like prayer with someone from our church family, we would love to connect with you. You can message us on Facebook by searching Roseburg First Christian Church, or you can email us directly at roseburgfcc at gmail.com. In addition, if you're listening to this message on Apple or Spotify, we invite you to like, subscribe, rate, and review this podcast, and share it on social media so others can be blessed as well. God bless you, and have a beautiful day.